I was an agnostic. I knew there was a God, but he was not part of my life. But I knew there's something more to life. And so we started coming to uh, Gateway and we started coming every Sunday. And five months later, we, uh, we were baptized. And my brother, who was uh, an atheist, he was baptized too. I accepted his grace and he loves me. And uh, he has changed my life because now he's the center of my life. I had this neighbor, but he was a drunk and he would come over him and his wife. His wife got sick and uh, you know, he, he was not a very good cook. So I, I went up to uh, uh, Kenny Martin. I says, you know, I got this neighbor. I don't know what to do. And Kenny Martin says, well, take, him, take him a platter, you know. So I did, you know. Jean, my wife, made a platter and took it over to him. And, and when we brought that platter to him, you know, he was shocked that we cared enough for him. And, you know, after that, we seen a change in him. And he later, years later, he started coming to our church, you know, and brought his son and all that. So it changed his life, just that simple meal that we provided for him. Yeah. I had been diagnosed that I had uh, pulmonary fibrosis. You know, I have a short time left, and, and but I want to make that time, you know, it's like, a, I want to finish this race. You know, um, in the Bible, of uh, Paul you know, talks about finishing the race. And I want to finish this race full steam ahead. Now I volunteer for the hospital because I have a, a lung condition. You know, it's a terminal uh, condition that I have. I volunteer uh, uh, guiding people around and, and taking them to different uh, places. And I pick them up in their rooms and wheel them down. To, and in those 15 minutes, I get to, uh, I've learned how to communicate with people. You know, if they're, they got illnesses like I have, I give them my story and listen uh, to them. I give them hope, show some kindness to them. And I tell them, you know, one of the things that's given me the strength is my faith and that God loves you and, and just turn to him and accept this grace, you know. He paid the price, you know. I want to pass it on, you know. I think that's what God wants us to do is just love each other. Love your neighbors like you love yourself, you know, that I live by that. Even though some of the neighbors are not the easiest ones to love, but um, when he calls me, well, then I'm ready to go. But right now, I think he's got me doing things that are out of my uh, comfort zone, but my faith is what keeps me going. I love Bill, love Bill. And, and what a great story uh, to wrap up our Love Everyone Life by Life series, which actually we're not wrapping up. We're not ending this series, we're beginning today. You know, and that's, that's why I wanted all our campuses together to hear this. Um, you with me, Gateway South, you there? Gateway Branson, Brian and Amy are here. Thanks for lending them to us. Can't wait to hang out with them tomorrow. Uh, Gateway Central, you with us? And here at North and on the internet, I wanted us to all be together today because we are not ending. We are beginning to practice, remember what Jesus said are the two most important things in life. 
to love God with all you have, which means to receive his love and let him grow us and heal us and teach us how to be people who go into the world to love the 20 or so neighbors and coworkers around us just like he loves us. That is what changes the world. It's so simple, isn't it? But it's so difficult to do consistently. And, and friends, that's why we're asking you to go on our Gateway app and join in with us at that Love Everyone Life by Life. Uh, join in. We, we've got people all over the city already who have joined in with us. Just, you know, tell us where you live and you can see others around you or in your workplace and others at your workplace. Or if you don't want to share that information, fine. Just put your zip code. But give us your email so that we can be encouraging each other and equipping each other. Because this is a two three-year process of learning to live differently. Not just going, oh, well, that was a nice series. Let's move on. No. If you don't do this, just stop. What's the point? You keep coming, learning things, but you don't do the two things that Jesus said are most important. So that's what we're about. And remember, I challenged you, uh, love cares. We talked about what Jesus did and what we should do. To love everyone. Love cares. And the best way to care about people, we said in week one, is to begin praying for them. Because God knows and cares more than you do, and he'll show you if you just begin praying. You know, we have this acronym to remind us to bless the people around us. That's what we've been going through. Bless. Begin to pray for them. And then listen. Begin praying and then listen to their story. You know, that's how you value people. They, everybody has a story. And when you listen to their story, they feel loved. They feel like you, they matter. And then engage with them. And then serve them. And it's not linear. We looked at how Jesus did all these things. You may serve someone first. You may find you have to engage in order to listen. But then Jesus also shared his story. And particularly, you share your story where it intersects with God's story. Because think about it. What's the most loving thing you can do for another human being? Isn't it to connect them, help them find out about the very source of all love and joy? To help them connect to the very source of everything that every human heart craves most? Because look, you and I, we can only give finite little packets of love or kindness. They're tiny and they don't last. But God is the overflowing source of all love. All kindness, every good gift. So isn't the most loving thing to help them discover the very source of every good thing and everything their heart craves? You know, I was talking uh, a week or so ago to Bach, a friend of mine. She uh, was born in Vietnam, grew up Buddhist. And even though Buddhism is agnostic, she knew in her heart intuitively, there must be a God. And she was seeking. She wanted to know more about this God. When, when someone comes along and starts to tell her about how they had uh, come to know God in a personal way through Jesus. And she ends up exploring faith in Jesus and she comes to faith in Jesus. And in fact, uh, Brian Ziska at our Gateway Central baptized her th uh, three years ago. And Bach discovered such an incredible love with God that she, she told me, she said, you know, I run marathons, I train, I have these running partners. And they say to me, Bach, all you talk about is Jesus, you know? And she said, I know, I just, I'm so excited about him. I love him. Isn't that the way it is? I mean, when you love things, you talk about them, right? Maybe you love football. And you talk about your team. I'm not going to say which team, but you just talk about your team all the time. 
even when they let you down and disappoint you severely after staying up so late, having to get up so early. Or, or maybe you love baseball. Maybe all you can talk about is the Boston Red Sox. You should stop. Now see, when we love things, we talk about them. You love your child, you probably talk about your child. You love your hobby, golf, you wanna talk about, you wanna share the things you love so that others can enjoy them too, right? That's the way it is with God too. And if you're not like that, then I would say you don't really know him well yet. Because when you know him, you'll want others to know him too. Now, maybe you haven't realized this, but God is always at work behind the scenes drawing people to himself. Jesus said this, when I am lifted up from the earth, I'll draw everyone to myself. God's all over the world drawing people to himself. That's why, you know where the church is growing fastest? It's not in America, it's in China. When it was most persecuted, or in South America, or in Africa, because God's all over the world. He's in India drawing people to himself. Ramya, who used to be on our prayer team here at North, told me that when she was still in India, she started to wonder about God, like the real, the God who created everything. And about that time, someone comes along and starts to tell them about how they had come to know God personally through Jesus. And then she said, I started to have vivid dreams of this brilliant man of light beckoning me. And she realized Jesus is calling me to come to him. And she did. Mary was in a guided meditation, and, and, and the person said, picture your, your uh, favorite spiritual leader. And she was just trying to picture um, Ganesha, actually, the, the god, uh, an Indian god of the elephant god, right? She's trying to picture that, and Jesus pops into her mind. And she said, I knew nothing about Jesus, but the thought came to my mind, I should be open to learn about Jesus, and not long after that, someone invited her to Gateway, and she came to faith in Jesus, and she became one of our leaders here. Because see, God loves everyone. And he's at work in, in all peoples, in all cultures. Paul understood this. He goes into Lystra. Lystra is this, is this idol-worshiping culture. There are idols everywhere. And Paul says this, Acts chapter 14. We've come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things, you know, that they made, these idols, and turn to the living God, the one who made heaven and earth and sea and everything. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own way, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops. He gives you food. He gives you joyful hearts. See, Paul realized God, God doesn't just love one culture over another. And, and even though he gives people free will, he lets us all go our own way. He gives, he also is drawing people with those thoughts in their minds, with the good gifts he gives, with the joy he puts in people's hearts. Maybe you've never considered that. God's already at work in the 20 or so neighbors and coworkers around you, wooing them to himself because he loves them. He created all of us for a relationship with himself. And so to follow Jesus means we do what he did. We help them discover the source of all love. It says this in John 4, 23. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee. He went to people, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about God's kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease. 
See, Jesus brought hope and healing and help to a struggling world. And that's what we've been talking about, of, of helping people and serving people and caring about people. But Jesus also told them about the good news, that God is for you. He's not against you. He loves everybody, and he's done everything possible to forgive and bring back and adopt everybody into his family who wants that. That is the good news. You know, the, the word gospel, when we say tell the gospel, gospel is in Greek the word euangelion, which literally means you, good, angelion, from which we get our, 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 our word angel or messenger, message. It's the good message. The gospel is just the good news or the good message from God, God's story. And if your story has intersected God's story, somewhere along the way, the most loving thing you can do is share with others how loving God is, where your story has intersected his. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 puts it like this. God was in Christ. Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, the Jewish word Messiah, reconciling the world to himself, just taking where people were enemies and making them friends, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us, through you. Have you ever thought about that? That God is trying to teach you to love others by letting you be the skin, putting skin on his message through you. That's what he's trying to do. You are God's ambassador to the 20 or so people that already live around you right now. You ever thought about that? That if you've opened your heart to, to Christ, if you've been made right with God, that, that you belong to him and his country and you are sent as an ambassador. Think about what an ambassador is. Ambassador goes and lives in a foreign country, right? Temporarily, not permanently, and is there to represent the kingdom or the government from which she comes or he comes. You're there to convey the message of that government or of that kingdom. And here's the thing. If you have opened your heart to Christ, if you've been adopted into God's family, you are not first and foremost from this country. You're not first from the country of America or the country of China or the, whatever your original country was. You're first a citizen of heaven. Do you understand that? Your country, your homeland is heaven. And you're here temporary on temporary assignment representing the kingdom of God and what he's like in his, his message, his values. Now, if, if you are a Christ follower, if you've been set right with God, the question is not whether you're an ambassador. You are. It's just whether you're a good one that represents his message well or one who doesn't really represent it very well. That's why we're told in Scripture, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. See, this isn't forcing stuff. This isn't pushing your faith on someone else. This is gentleness and respect. But it's also being prepared to help people understand. And that's what we're trying to do with this app. And, you know, we're trying to help you keep being prepared. But you need to be prepared because you never know what God's doing behind the scenes and when he may nudge you to put skin on his message. 
I remember Sam, our finance director, telling me a story of how she used to be an executive with Seiko Watches. So she had to fly to Asia a lot. It's a 16-hour flight. She said she just dreaded it, hated it. But one time she's flying and she's reading her Bible and having just such a great time with God that she ended up reading and praying the whole time, 16 hours. She gets to her hotel and, and she wanted to keep just having this great time with God because she was feeling so filled up and that she wanted to take a nap. And uh, the phone rings, and she, uh, she let it ring. Um, she didn't answer the phone, and, and she said right after that, I immediately knew it was my Chinese friend, Sandy. She'd become good friends with Sandy, and because she, she had had this thought I should answer it, but she, she didn't want to. She wanted to keep having a good time with God and go to sleep, and the phone rings again, uh, and she had felt God nudging her call Sandy and she just knew it was Sandy, but she thought, no, I don't want to. I want to read and sleep. And the phone kept ringing and finally she picks it up. Sure enough, it's Sandy saying, hey, you want to go to lunch? I, I, I knew you'd land it. And so reluctantly, Sam said yes. Well, so she and Sandy, uh, her Chinese friend, are walking to lunch and Sam said, as we were walking to the restaurant, I distinctly felt God nudge me, ask Sandy about me. I thought, no way, God. I don't want to ask her about you. She'll think I'm a crazy Christian. That's reality, right? So I ignored the thought and kept walking. But God kept prompting my conscience until finally I said, Sandy, do you believe in God? No, she said. Crossed her arms and turned away from Sam. And Sam said she felt complete rejection and said to God in her head, see, this is why I don't talk to people about you. Jesus did tell us, when they reject you, it's not you they're rejecting, it's me. She said they kept walking in awkward silence for a while, and they came to this group of protesters, and Sam asked, what are they doing? And Sandy said, they're protesting because their cult leader has been put in jail. He claims to be the savior of the world. And again, she felt nudged. She said, well, Sandy, what do you believe? And she said, well, I think people like that are crazy. And Sam kind of agreed. <laughs> and, and she said, but I do think the world needs a savior. Hmm. Sam said, well, Sandy, have you ever heard of Jesus? She said, yes. Where have you heard of Jesus? Here's what Sandy said. He came to me in a dream. He showed me that the world was being consumed by evil and that I needed to come to him for forgiveness and life. Sam was totally blown away, not expecting that response at all. And she said, well, have you asked Jesus to forgive you and give you life? No, Sandy said. I'm not sure I want to do that. He'll want to change me, and I'm not sure I want to change. That's reality. But they ended up in a three-hour conversation about how what God wants for us is deep inside what we all want, and we don't need to fear him. It was an awesome com conversation. See, God truly loves all people, but he doesn't force himself on anyone. He waits for our willingness because love is what he's after. And some people will... Some people will be open-minded. They're ready. Some people will stay closed-minded. That's what happened to Jesus too. But Jesus said, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, which means at times we have to care more about what people think about us or, you know, our reputation, and we have to care enough about them to tell them even if they think poorly of us afterwards. Now, the truth is sometimes we're afraid because we won't say the right thing. But you know, the truth is you almost can't say the wrong thing. 
The gospel, the message of God is so simple. In fact, I want to give you two simple verses to use. Write these two down. Because you can just open your Bible up on your app to these and show people. And I find it's the simplest way to explain the message of God. Here's, here's basically how I do it. You know, many times uh, I'll ask someone a question like, hey, well, tell me your spiritual background. And then we talk about it for a while. And I might tell them mine. And they'll say, hey, would you mind if I tell you what I discovered uh, about how much God loves me and you? You know, and these are Jesus' words. And then I'll go to John 3.16 and I'll read this to them. And I'll make little comments along the way. God so loved the world. I'll just stop and say, that's you. That's me. That's everyone. He loves everyone. And God wants relationship with people. That's what motivates him. Now go on. It says that he sent his one and only son. It's referring to Jesus. In other words, he's claiming that Jesus revealed the infinite God that we can't possibly comprehend because we're finite but he revealed him in the form of a person because he wants relationship he said that whoever believes or trusts because trust is the currency of relationship in him shall not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save or that just means set right with God the world through him so I just reiterate this this main thing that Jesus came to show us how much God loves you, you know, and, and he doesn't stand ready to condemn us. He showed us that God would do anything for us. What's the most you could do as a human for another human? Die for them. That's what he said he did for you and, and, and for me to restore us into right relationship if we want it so that God could be just forgiving us. And then I'll ask a question like, have you ever thought about God that way, that he wants relationship with you? And we'll, we'll talk about it for a while. And then I'll go on to the next verse, John 3, 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. And I'll point out, see, the, the world has a problem. And I don't know if you've ever know, noticed, but all of us feel guilty. All of us feel condemned and, and judged already. That's why we, we don't want people to judge us, because we feel it already. Uh, and have you ever noticed that? I mean, have, have you ever noticed that you break your own moral code? You know, like you ever said, I'll never, but you did. <laughs> See, we all do. So we definitely break God's moral code if we can't even keep our own. And we all feel condemned already. That's what Jesus is saying. But God doesn't want us to feel condemned. He wants us to know that we're forgiven. But forgiven of what? Well, that's the whole problem. See, all of us play God. I spend most of my time wanting my will done rather than seeking God's will to be done through me. And that's what the Bible calls sin. And that's the problem with the world. We're a war of wills constantly battling each other. And, and God wants to restore us to love, but love doesn't force its will. And that's why God doesn't force us. But he's made it so simple, all you have to do is trust. That's what Jesus said. Put your trust, turn back to God. He forgives, he restores, and he'll lead and guide us. And then I may ask, hey, is there anything that would keep you from receiving God's forgiveness and love offered in Christ? You'd be surprised how often people say, no, not really. And then I'll just lead them in a simple prayer of faith, you know, and just say, say something like this. What's in your heart, God sees, you know? I want what Jesus did to count for me. I want your forgiveness and your leadership. 
Something simple like that. That's all God needs is a heart turning back to him. Now, they may say, well, what about this? Or what about that? You don't have to have every answer. You can say, well, that's a good question. You know, if you're open, I'll, I'll seek answers. Maybe we can explore together. Because the truth is not afraid of questions, right? And so you explore with them. You know, Paula Black is a friend of ours who um, was diagnosed with cancer spread all over her body. Doctors said, there's no way we can treat it. You have three to, three to four months to live. That was 17 years ago. <laughs> now, Paula Black is so passionate about telling people the answer she found to cure her cancer. She writes about it. She tells everyone about it. And doesn't that make sense? I mean, what, what would you think of her if she said, well, yeah, I know people are dying of cancer everywhere. I, I don't really share that because they may reject me. That would be the most selfish thing ever. If someone's going to die, why wouldn't you offer them what helped you? Right? Well, friends, the world is dying of a cancer. Sin separates us from the living God. And if we remain that way, it's eternal. But God has provided a cure, and it's free. He's paid the price of the medication for every human who simply turns back in his or her heart. And that's where the second verse comes in that I walk people through. It says this, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. This is another great one to just walk people through. God saved you or set you right with himself by grace. Grace just means his favor, unmerited. It's unearned. When you believed, again, or trusted, you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us in you in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And, and if I've already gone through the other verse, I'll just point a couple things out in this verse. What God wants is relationship. And that relationship is a gift. That's what that says. Now, now think about it. If someone gives you a gift, what do you have to do? And I'll ask them that. You know, do you have to work for it? You have to earn it? You have to pay for it? It's a rhetorical question, but they, no. No, you just accept it. You either receive it or you, you can reject it. And you can reject God's gift. But relationship with God is a gift. He doesn't make us earn it. He doesn't make us work for it or pay for it. You just receive it. Why would he do that? Because you're his masterpiece. He created you. You are his work of art. Now, you're a damaged work of art, like me, and he wants to restore all of us, and he does that in relationship as we walk with him. But we have to first be restored into relationship to walk with him so he can make us who he created us to be long ago. Let me just say something. That, that's, that's the simple message. And you can just take them to one of those verses and walk them through like that. And maybe you're here and you're thinking, I never realized that. Maybe you never realize how free a gift relationship with God is. And if that's you, you can leave today knowing that you know that you know that nothing can ever separate you from God or his love. Now, I'll lead you in a prayer at the end. But just do business in your heart and ask, what would keep you from that? Why? Why let anything? Most of the time, it's our fear or our pride. It's fear that God's going to make us become something we don't want. Hey, if he wanted to make you become something you don't want, he would have already done it. Right? He's God. 
He works with our willingness. Okay, so when we're sharing our story, again, remember, you're not trying to convert someone or force someone. Like one person said that I love, he said, I'm just like one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. If they want it, they'll come get it. If not, I'm just sharing a good thing that I found. That's what you're doing. And when I share God's story, it's usually in the context of my story. You know, your story is powerful. Your story is not going to offend people. They're not going to argue with your story. It's your story. And it's a great way to explain God's story. You know, Paul in the book of Acts, in Acts 26, does this. He's speaking to King Agrippa and his court. Gives a great outline that I'm going to give you to think through your story and how you would share it. And I'll tell you how I'd share mine. So the first question, and by the way, again, this is going to be out on our app or on Next Steps. Work through it. Be prepared. So answer the question, what was your life like apart from God? Here's how Paul says it. I used to believe, King Agrippa, that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priest, I caused many believers to be sent to prison. And I cast my vote against them, against the Christians that were being condemned to death. So for me, if I was explaining, you know, what was my life like before, I would say, honestly, I kind of thought I was God. Now, I would never admit that. But I thought, life's supposed to go according to my plans. And I thought most about my will being done until my dad got cancer. And as he was dying of cancer, suddenly I realized I'm not in control. And I mean, it's, I know it sounds crazy, but it's kind of the reality that until we feel a lot of pain, many times we don't let go of playing God and pretending like life's supposed to go our way. So I was asking a lot of questions and a guy comes along, his name was Randy, and he starts to share with me um, uh, how he had discovered relationship with God through Jesus. And, and quite honestly, I was a jerk to him, but he loved me anyway, which kind of caught me off guard. And um, I was hurting, honestly, and I was secretly curious. Um, so that's kind of where I was before. Second question you answer is this. What made you decide to follow Christ and how did you do that? Here's how Paul answers it. One day I was on such a mission to Damascus to arrest Christians. A light from heaven brighter than the sun shone down on me and my companions. And I heard a voice saying in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord, I asked. The Lord replied, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And interestingly, in Acts 9, Jesus says to him, now get up and go to the city and you'll be told what you must do. And here's why this is fascinating. Jesus doesn't lead him to faith. He sends him to Ananias who explains the message and says to Paul, You're, you got to decide, will you be baptized? And, and then Paul is. See, God uses people. He could use himself most of the time he uses people because he's teaching us to love one another. And this is what love does. So if I were going to tell my story, I would say, Randy, you know, kept telling me that God loves me and then he's for me. He's, he's not against me. And I, I was kind of like pushing him away. And, he, and then he said to me once, he said, you know, John, I have lived the life you're living. I know what, you're, what that life is like. You don't know what my life is like now. I could always go back to your life. I don't want to. Mine's better. And honestly, that kind of intrigued me. Like, yeah, I don't know. Because uh, I haven't let go of playing God. 
let go of this control. And I told him, I have a lot of questions. He said, bring them. And I started going to this Bible study and I asked my questions and I started to realize they're good answers. Like Jesus really, there was evidence that he really was the, the Messiah foretold by the prophets. And I started to realize that. And then finally, I realized that what God wants is relationship. And that, that he won't force it on me, I have to choose it. And one night I did, I just told him in my heart, I said, God, I realize this is true about you. And I want your forgiveness offered in Christ. And I want your love and your leadership. And he says, that's all he needs for relationship. Okay, then the third question, what's your life been like since with God? Paul said, what could I do, King Agrippa? I couldn't just walk away from a vision like that. I started telling others about this radical turn to God and everything it meant for everyday life, right here in Damascus and in Jerusalem and to the whole world. Now, I would say, you know, and, and for me, after praying that prayer, it wasn't like there was this bright light or epiphany or signs in the sky. You know, things didn't change all at once. But what I realized, it's like any relationship. Like, like when you get married, it's you're pledging your faith to another. And, and I was doing that. And God says he's done that and nothing can ever change it. He can't break faith. But like any other relationship, as you trust that other person more and more, you grow in your relationship. And that's what I found. As I read the Bible and I learned uh, about God's character, I trusted him more. I started to see him at work in my life. And the most important places, spiritually, giving me a, a love and a joy and a peace that wasn't dependent on how things went out there. And you know, I'll be honest, it's like I can now say the same thing Randy did, that I know the other life without God and I could always go back to it. God doesn't force me, but I don't want to because this life with God is better. That's my story. What's your story? You know, and if, if you've never opened your heart to God's love through Christ, why don't you do it today? And if you have, will you let him love others through you, life by life? And will you have the boldness to not think so much about yourself and worry about your reputation, but that you would love others even more than that to tell them how much God loves them? Because you just never know what God's doing behind the scenes. And there's no greater privilege in life well, let me lead us in a prayer and then I'll turn it over to our campus pastors. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much that through Jesus you demonstrated such great love for us. That you came not to condemn us, though we deserve it. That you came to heal us and give us hope and care for us and feed us and push back against the evils that we do to each other to serve us. God, we want to be like that. And thank you for your message of love. God, maybe some here have never opened their heart to you. You don't force your will on us, but maybe today is the day they realize that you're drawing them. And if that's you, just tell them in your heart right now, God, I want what Jesus did to count for me. I want your love and your forgiveness. I want you to lead my life. And thank you, Lord, that that's all you require for us to be set right with you forever. And now, God, help all of us grow in that love to not only experience your love, but to let us 
to heal us and to grow us so that we truly love those 20 or so neighbors and coworkers and people around us for the next two or three years until it just becomes natural for us to love people the way you love us. God, change the world. It needs changing. But change the world, we're willing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.